Shortly after I graduated from college, I moved from Phoenix to Denver. I was in a new city with a new job, and for the first time since I was five years old, I was tasked with making new friends. But this was different because this time there wasn't a playground to go to. Nobody had decided that we were going to play kickball every single day and then inexplicably switch to Foursquare on some other random day. No, this was a new world with new rules. I saw people out all the time. I mean, there certainly wasn't a shortage of young people in Denver, but it felt just so weird to go up to somebody at a coffee shop and say, hey, want to be my friend? Just a year before, I was in college, and if you met somebody new, odds are you were both free to hang out every single night for the next two weeks. And you probably would. You could just call them up and say, hey, want to go grab pizza? And they would say, I'm on my way. I don't care about any obligations that I have the next day. Those certainly were the days. I remember meeting somebody new in Denver and them saying, we should grab lunch sometime in the next few weeks. Um, But I kind of need friends like right now. So there I was, new city, new job. I was single and even worse, friendless. Let's face it, making friends is hard. Having friends isn't necessarily that hard, but making them is difficult. Welcome to Relatable, a Thrive Therapy podcast. My name is Kayla Gensler, and I am joined with my co-hosts, Lauren Mokeri and Coulter Bloxham. We are three licensed professional counselors running a therapy community in Phoenix called Thrive. Our mission is to help you find the most connected version of yourself, and we do that through individual therapy, group therapy, couples therapy, couples workshops, intensives, and retreats, and our online membership platform, which allows you to do some work on your mental health for super cheap. And this podcast is just an extension of all of that, where we go through topics on how to relate better to others, how to relate better to yourself, better to your anxiety, emotions, experiences, and so on. Our topic for today is making and keeping friends, which I will mostly be using as a way to firm up my friendship with both of you. Our topic for today is on making and keeping friends. And my first question for the two of you is to think about um, how you met your most recent adult friend. I think my most recent adult friend is my neighbor. His name is Matt. Matt, shout out to you for being my most recent friend. Hopefully the friendship is reciprocal. And we met them because they live two doors down. So there's just one house between us. They have a three-year-old. We have a three-year-old. But more importantly, Matt likes golf. And I like golf. So we play golf together. I'm sitting here smiling because, Kayla, when you asked that question, I was like, Kayla, I think that you are my most recent (laughs) adult friend. I've been in a season for the last like year or two that has just been so insanely busy. So I really like have not had any time or bandwidth to meet new people outside of my own sphere. But your name was definitely the first that came to mind as far as a person that I've like gotten close to and have gotten to spend a lot of time with in new ways. So I hope that's reciprocal. (laughs) (laughs) This feels a little more vulnerable than than I thought. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and that feels relatable um, because I think I've also been in that season and um, I have you know, I know we'll talk more on this, but a lot of friends in my life. And I just feel like that work is probably the place where I've had the most recent friendships. And yes, Lauren, I'll, I'll count you in that list. <laughs> okay. So I have relation. 
<laughs> yeah, it's so making friends as an adult is so much different in it. You go so much longer without making a new friend. I almost feel like I even have some resistance to making friends. Like if someone's trying to be too friendly with me, I was like, hold up, buddy. I'm not, not really looking for friends right now. I'm just trying to get in and out. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it takes like investment to get to know somebody, to build up trust, to really be kind of checking out, like, do we have things in common? Are we compatible? Do we enjoy spending time together in the same ways? Like am I thinking about reaching out or making space in my schedule to respond to a reach out? Like there's, there's a lot of time and energy that goes into that process. Okay. I wanted to make a friend like a year or so ago. I was coming back from the OCD conference in Denver and my Uber driver was just this like really cool guy who he asked what I did. And I said, I was a therapist and he's like, I've been in therapy recently. He's like, I'm learning all about attachment. And, and he was just like describing all this EFT stuff. I was like, dang, sounds like you have a really good therapist. And then we also <laughs> talked a lot about the Phoenix Suns and I didn't know how to make the move. Like when he dropped me off, I wanted to be like, do you want to like hang out sometime? <laughs> but I just, like I got someone on a date. <laughs> I know. I, I got too scared. Okay. So my question is, are you all familiar with the term friend crush? I have heard that term before. Okay, I, I would like to hear you describe it, though. It's not when you have a crush on your friend, like, in a romantic way. It's, like, when you meet someone and you're just like, this person is really cool, and I just want to be friends with them. Like, I have this friend named Kyle, and every guy that meets Kyle develops a man, or a I was going to say man crush. I'm going to say friend crush. They just like are like, Kyle's so cool. I want to hang out with Kyle. He's like, he's really tall. He's like six, seven. I don't know why that matters, but <laughs> really fun. He's just like a big presence and just like Troy met him and he was like, I want to be friends with Kyle. And so have you ever had a friend crush on someone? I think I, I'm going to also shout out, shout out Victoria, if you're listening to this. <laughs> um, in our EFT training more recently, I happened to be sitting right next to her. And I feel like she just has like such a good energy and has obviously similar interest as I do at work. And so, but, you know, as we got to talk, I think there was just like a lot of things where I'm like, oh, gosh, she feels like peaceful. And that is really important for me, especially in this season of just like busyness. And so, Right away, I was like, I hope that she wants to be friends. And I did ask for her phone number, Coulter. So um, that it, that is a vulnerable, weird thing to do, I think, even as a 35-year-old adult. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually, like, I'm thinking about my my best friend now. We've been friends for maybe like seven years at this point, but we met at a exercise class. It was like a cardio bar class. And I just, I was in a season of my life at the time where I had gone through a big life transition and I really was needing more friends. And I was kind of going through this phase of like, I'm just going to go to things by myself. Like I don't have to have somebody to go with me to things. So I think I found on Groupon this exercise class that was near my house and I went, but I am like a very relational person. So it's like I walk into a room and I just sort of scan it and look for like who just looks like a person that I would like to stand next to or maybe say hi to. And so there was a girl there who looked about my age and she looked friendly and not scary. And so I just kind of walked up and was like, hey, like, are you new here? Or do you come to this class? And 
at the end of the class, I do remember being like, so this might be kind of weird, but like, can I have your number? And I'm just kind of like in a season of needing new friends. And it sounds like you live nearby. And then I remember what we kind of refer to as like our first date. Like she wore this like blue dress and I was like, oh my gosh, I like really feel like we're like on a date right now. It's kind of <laughs> awkward, but, um, but it turned into a really beautiful friendship. I know I'm the one that asked this question, but I don't know if I can really think of the last time that has happened. I may be thinking of like if I've worked with someone that I thought was really cool. Like I think when Jason had started working here, I was just like, oh, Jason's cool. Like I want to like hang around Jason. And we had like similar interests and things and he asked silly questions. Mm -hmm. And so that, yeah, very silly question. So (laughs) that was maybe my last one. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I hear come up a lot about friendship and making new friends is that I hear people talk about it just feeling like harder nowadays to make new friends than it used to be. So I wanted to just kind of toss out this question, like, why do you guys think maybe it's harder to make friends now than it was like 50 years ago? I think, you know, this is from, if you haven't read the book Platonic yet, I I cannot remember the name of the author. And so I'm sorry uh, for that, but it's really easy to find. But I think that has really shaped my own understanding about adult friendship. And one of the points that she makes in there is regarding like the impact on TV, social media, and just the development of technology and how that really keeps people um, more isolated than they have been in the past. And so it's like this phenomenon, I guess, of people being less available now, you know, than than we have been decades before, where we might have been, gosh, I mean, decades may be an understatement, but living on farms or living closer to each other even. And I think just the distance of and proximity of where people are at in the world, those are some of the things that come to my mind right away that makes it harder. I think you're right with the accessibility piece. I'm remembering a couple weeks ago, I had to go to the post office and I was like, very annoyed with having to go to the post office because who wants to go to the post office? It's terrible. And we, my son and I were standing in line and he's such a great icebreaker to making friends with anybody because he's just like walking around. And there was two older women standing behind me and they just adored him and they were just chatting with me. And, you know, the, and this is another great thing about talking to an older generation is like, as a dad, anytime you do anything with your kid, they're like, you're a very involved dad. Like, just cause I'm out running an errand. I know. Slow clap over here. It, yeah. It, it is not, it is not impressive. Um, but I think for them, you know, they're probably in their seventies or so, um, because, well, one of them, she said something about her son. I was like, how old's your son? And she's like, he's 52. I was like, okay, well, you're like quite a bit older than (laughs) I thought you were. Um, but for them, that's so much more normal. It's like, you just, you stand in line and then you talk to the people you stand in line and then you talk to the people that are in line with you. And like, that's maybe how you meet someone versus like, I don't really meet people in line, but you know, what's funny is like, I left that post office experience thinking like, that was a really nice experience. That was really fun. Yeah. I think there is something just in our nervous systems that it does feel really good to have quality connection when we spend time with people in person. Uh, But yeah, I think listening to some of the points both of you are making, like we have to nowadays be really intentional to put ourselves in positions where we're going to be able to get to know people or meet people if we're trying to do that offline. Yeah, I think that intentionality is really important. Are you all familiar with the idea of third space? I have not heard of that. Mm -mm, Me either. There's this idea that it's like every human needs these three spaces in their life. And so you 
pretty much automatically have two built in, uh, which is work and home. Those are, you know, and, and maybe I should flip those like home is first space, work is second space. And, you know, that's where I've made a ton of my friends. But then millennials and Gen Z, we really lack this idea of third space. And, you know, for a lot of people that might be like their faith community or something like that's where they go for more socializing. But even just 50, 60 years ago, like that was like bowling leagues for people. It's like, because you needed something to do and we've kind of replaced third space with online, but it doesn't offer the same benefits. And so I think having that third space, like that thing that you do where there's like interest and there's some common ground is so important. And you need to be so much more intentional about creating that because it's not built into life the same way. Yeah, I totally agree. I think hearing you say that too, I'm like, I think it's always been, I mean, relationships have always been a really high value to me and I'm more on the extroverted side, I think. So I've always been really intentional almost to like create that third space, oftentimes in my home because I like to host things, but I'll host like game nights or you know, charcuterie board nights or some kind of potluck party or something that I um, have sort of identified maybe people that are old friends or new friends that I think would get along and will kind of invite a small group of people to do something consistently together as a way of almost like building that for myself. I'm thinking, I'm like, wow, this is really like informative, I suppose, about what phase of life I am in right now and and that my social circle feels really full because I don't really find myself in a third space right now, which feels my brow is furrowed, right? I'm like, wow, that's interesting. I think I've made several third spaces for myself over time. You know, I'm thinking about grad school was a third space and yoga classes were third spaces. And I used to love to country two-step on a Friday night. Um, that was a, an opportunity. And so I can see kind of the the point of this, right, is if we're not intentional with putting ourselves in a position where we have an opportunity to meet people, then it makes it a lot harder if our first and second spaces are not allowing for connection. Well, and I think that part of when you need that third space is really when you are looking for more friends. Like if you are wanting to f- have more friends, you need to do something where there's going to be people with similar interests. And I, I think of when I was in my twenties, like that was like volleyball leagues for me. Like I played volleyball every Saturday at this one park in Denver. There was just this big volleyball community and that's where I made friends. And I think that it's so much easier to chat with someone because you can talk about volleyball. It's like, we know that we're both interested in volleyball. We can talk about like how the game went versus it's harder if you're at like Chipotle or something and you're standing in line and you're just like, ah, we both like Chipotle. It's like, everyone likes Chipotle. Like this is an interesting information. It's not great fodder for conversation. Are you getting guac? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm going to splurge for the guac today too. They'd be like, yeah, this is not like that foundational of a common doesn't interest. Create, it doesn't create that spark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's to that point, you know, the intentionality that you were talking about, Lauren, where it would be nice if it was that easy to go to Chipotle or TJ Maxx, where I have once been approached in a similar fashion uh, to, to meet somebody new. And I think to, to your point, Coulter, if we're not in a place where we can spark a conversation, then it's a lot harder to, to get to that next step of asking for a phone number or suggesting that we maybe take the friendship a little bit further than just um, standing in line together at Chipotle. Do you think that we should have kind of like pocket questions or like a script that we use? 
trying to think in my mind if I ever have had pocket questions or a script. I think my go-to when meeting somebody new is just to kind of start asking about some of the things that are interesting to me to check out what we have in common. So I might ask about what they do with their free time or what they like to read or what, you know, topics they feel passionate about. I I think too, like depending on what season of life I've been in, people who have the same amount of time to spend doing some of the things that I like doing with free time. So like in uh, my 20s, a lot of that was more like, do we both have the same amount of free time that we can like go to the Salt River, that we can go out for drinks on a Friday night, or that we can do taco night and then watch something that we're both kind of tracking on Netflix at the same time. Um, Whereas now it's like, do you have kids who are the same age as my kids? And can we go to the park together? And if there's too much of an age gap, it's weird because my kid's still pretty little. So yeah, I think just kind of asking about like, what do we have in common as far as what I fill in space in my life with? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think one piece of advice that has always stuck with me is that people like to feel that they are liked, right? And so I think an easy icebreaker is commenting on something about that person, right? If we're in a bar class, like, hey, it looks like you're really good at this. Have you been doing this a long time? Or even, hey, I really like your shirt. Where'd you get that from, right? And just being able to pull something from that person that feels likable is sometimes an easy in, maybe no matter what third space you're in. This is helpful because I feel like I get so anxious with making new friends. I have a lot of friends and I feel pretty confident in social situations. But when it comes to approaching somebody new and making a new friend, I don't know. I just always feel like I'm going to come off as like weird in some way. So help. (laughs) You know, it's funny because Kayla and I, I think listening to the vignette at the beginning of this episode, I saw us kind of both looking at each other, like trying to sort of like silently communicate, like, do you feel anxious making friends? Like, have you ever had a hard time with that? And and I think knowing Kayla pretty well, like that's something that we don't necessarily relate to with our own personalities. I think making friends has not brought a lot of anxiety for us, but even just hearing us talk about some of the ways that we make friends, I think that is a big reason for that, that like we do both sort of carry this sense of like, I know that other people like to feel like someone's interested in them. I know that other people tend to have a lot of anxiety about making friends or getting to know people. So it's probably going to feel good to them when I walk up and initiate that. But I also think that that's like a personality thing. Like sometimes I try to hold back from being like, yeah, everybody should just walk up to somebody and say hi, because I know that that's more aligned with my temperament. Like I did that in, you know, first grade, I went to a new school and I was the kid who would just walk up to someone and be like, hi, I'm Lauren. Do you want to be friends? Want to sit with me at lunch? (laughs) Yeah. I I think I've grown to be more outgoing as I've aged. And so uh, a younger version of me would have said that I felt anxious about making friends. And I think that's pretty normal, especially Quite honestly, I feel fortunate as I've gotten older that it's gotten easier because I think for the majority of us, it's a lot harder as we get older because it's not as forced, right? When when we're younger, we're, we're sitting next to somebody in school and therefore, you know, we had to partner up and now maybe we become more, you know, closer friends. And it's just, it is harder. And so, Coulter, I feel like rescuing you. <laughs> uh, because another thing kind of comes to my mind and that's this idea of the liking gap. Have you guys heard of that? No. I don't think so. So the gist of it is that we 
perceive that people are going to like us less than they actually do. And the truth is, is actually we're probably showing up a lot more likable than we're letting ourselves believe. And so trying to hold on to this idea that maybe people do like us more than the inner critic is telling us and trying to combat some of that internal distress around coming up to somebody new and feeling that anxiety. One of the things that I'm thinking through is I feel like as a man, there's a difference in approaching another man to be friends because intimacy is just harder for men and you have to almost like come across in a certain way or something that it sounds like more accessible for women to say, I like your shirt or like, I like what you're wearing as to where that feels a little bit more uncomfortable. I also think there's a thing that's like, if I start to make a new friend, women in my life will comment that it's like cute or something like that. They're like, oh, that's so cute. You two are spending time together or something like that. Or <laughs> it like, is cute. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, okay, go tell a four-year-old that they're cute. They're going to say, I don't want to be cute. I want to be cool. Yeah, I have yeah, not moved on that. from I that. I feel like patronizing. <laughs> yeah, it's like, we don't want to be cute. Or like, you know, we had a, uh, some couple friends over. Well, it's Troy and Kylie. And like, I told Troy, I was like, I was like, dude, you look good. I was like, you've been working out. I can tell that you've gotten a little bit bigger. And I got so much crap for saying that. They're like, oh, that's so cute that you were saying that. And I don't think that women would get the same sort of thing. Yeah, I think you're right, honestly. And that's some of that is the cultural conditioning, unfortunately, which I think we all know is a, is a thorn in my side at all times, depending on what we're talking about. But I, I do think there's some truth to that. And, and you're making me even think about, you know, the difference between me approaching a female as a new friend and me approaching a male as a new friend and how that could be misconstrued as maybe interest or in like a dating you know, way, right? Where maybe I'm just wanting to make a friend here and there does seem to be some barriers or blocks when there's opposite sex friendship as well. Mm -hmm. I, I think what was going through my mind, um, Coulter, when you were describing like some of the vulnerability that's not as like, I don't know, accepted and normalized in male relationships is that it's a different kind of vulnerability on both ends. Like I started thinking about, as you were saying that, like, yeah, that all seems to track. That all seems really true. And I think of so many female clients or even friends that I've made who have talked about what a struggle it's been for them to make friends. So I was trying to think of like what maybe lends to that. And the thing that came to my mind is like, you know, body image or like there's so much fear about being judged. There's so much fear about like for for. I think probably both genders, but for females, what I hear a lot is like, I'm so nervous about how I'm being perceived or am I being compared or does somebody feel threatened by me or does somebody want to be my friend because that makes them feel better about themselves? Like there's so much internal criticism. And I think, you know, this could probably be a whole topic or podcast episode on its own, but like where women tend to have more struggles with assertiveness and boundaries and feeling like it's okay for me to just like say no or to you know, say when something doesn't feel good for me. And I think while men have more of that assertiveness, uh, they also don't have as much access to the vulnerability. So there's kind of like a handicap on both sides. Yeah, that's insightful. I appreciate, Lauren, you're always good at kind of pulling apart the other side. And I think that's 
just interesting to look at both experiences of like, as a man, this is kind of what it's like for me to make friends. And that can be hard. And you saying like, and as a woman, this is what it's like for me to make friends. And that can be hard. Although I don't know, you, you two said you don't struggle with it at all. So some million friends. <laughs> Very popular over here. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that kind of leads into the next topic, which not only is it hard to make new friends, but it's also a challenge as we get older and into adulthood to keep our friends. And the maintenance strategies are not always taught in a way that I think would be ben- more beneficial for us to really hold on to. And so I wonder what comes up for the two of you when you think about what makes it hard to keep or maintain the friendships that we already have as adults. Yeah, I think this is the place where like I feel self-conscious sometimes when I'm like, oh yeah, it's just easy for me to make friends because I know that that's not the case for everybody and I'm grateful that that's something that has come more naturally to me. But I think for me, like this is where the work has been in like navigating the maintenance of a friendship requires so much of like boundary work and emotional vulnerability and really being willing to check in with each other honestly as life transitions happen. And um, even like I think back, you know, in adolescence or my early 20s, a big theme was like, oh, I have like a best friend. And then that best friend makes a new friend. And now they're starting to deepen that friendship or vice versa. I have a best friend and then I make a new friend. And then it's kind of like this weird shift in how much time are we spending together because now I'm spending time with other people too. And maybe not all of us get along. And then moving into like when people start getting married and or even dating, you know, and it's like, okay, so now all of a sudden you have this partner that's taking a bunch of your time that used to be friend time for us or, you know, post-college, like people move away, they start new jobs. Like that really shakes things up as far as how much time we may have been used to spending together or the accessibility of like what things I bring to which people. So I think that's the thing that comes up for me is like with with life changes, with transitions, um, how to navigate the way that that changes how we relate to each other in a friendship, like how often we talk, what kinds of things we talk about, and can we like navigate our emotions around those changes? Yeah, that's the most important thing for me as well is the expectations about what the friendship is going to look like, like how often we're going to talk or communicate, what ways are we going to communicate? I don't really like communicating over text. Friends will send me a text like, hey, how are you doing? And I just, I would rather talk on the phone. So sometimes I don't even respond to those texts, but you know, I've had friends that they just expect a different type of time commitment to the friendship. And that can maybe be a bit tough for keeping the friendship. Yeah. And this is a place where I think that non-negotiable needs list really comes into play and the the skinny of what that is is really again kind of like in that value sense getting to know ourselves and what we need in these friendships and accepting that that's going to be different than the friends that we have and what they need and being able to communicate like you're saying culture about those things is so important and and to not make assumptions that everybody's needs are just the same you know, so as far as conflict goes, I've seen with with friends of mine, with clients of mine, conflict and friendship can be 
really hit or miss, right? So, or black and white, I guess, is a better way to say that. It, we ha- we're having conflict, and so maybe this isn't the right friendship for me, or this person is growing or changing or getting unhealthier, and so I just need to remove them from my life. Um, and I know we talked about those uh, circles, those concentric circles, as I was informed upon, um, <laughs> that boundary bullseye, and being able to, yes, shift people in and out, but also being able to communicate when those triggers come up in friendship rather than just reacting on them and pushing people out. It's being able to, again, get so used to and accustomed with, I guess, our needs list that we can, oh, hey, that's a trigger for me. This is a communication button that I'm uncomfortable with in our friendship. And I need to teach that person about what I'm needing and why that's upsetting for me. How often do you all experience conflict in your friendships? I'm smiling. Um, I wouldn't say it's often, but I would say it's probably more now, like in the last five years of my life. I think actually since I did a lot of my own work around boundaries and around understanding my values and my needs, and it has brought up more willingness for me to enter into healthy conflict when something's not feeling good for me in a friendship. I'm more willing to bring that up and to have uncomfortable conversations and don't get me wrong, like I just still in my body don't like conflict. I want to like throw up every time that I do it. And I just have some friends who are really gracious with me and they also maybe don't like conflict or they. I have some friends who are more used to conflict and it's maybe not as like scary feeling for them. But I think the more that I've been able to bring up like, hey, this really was disappointing for me. Like I had an expectation about something and it didn't go this way or you know, you're going through a season of life change. And while I feel celebratory about that in one way, I'm also feeling some grief about how that's affecting the way that I'm used to getting my needs met through this friendship. Or like, hey, I generally feel really known by you, but this thing happened and it made me feel kind of misunderstood. And I just wanted to circle back to that. So I think the more that I've practiced doing that, the more I've found it to deepen trust in my friendships versus maybe past friendships where it's like if either person brought something up, it was this, like Kayla said, kind of black or white, like, oh no, we hit a tension point and one of us is right and one of us is wrong. And so, you know, we're either sweeping it under the rug and carrying resentment or just like walling off and ending things really quickly. Yeah. I think I feel similar to you, Lauren, that a past version of Kayla was unhealthy, believe it or not. And so I had a lot of conflict in friendships and And I don't think that ever made me as uncomfortable as it does for you, Lauren, because I'm one that kind of goes more towards my fight stance than anything else. And so (laughs) I don't remember feeling uncomfortable about it, but I do now look back at that and think, man, that was not healthy. And so growing into my own self and understanding myself more, it seems like the preventative conversations around like, hey, this is where I'm at right now. This is what I need right now. And being more transparent with my friends about those things, I think helps me to stay out of some of the conflict that I used to get caught in, where maybe I would make assumptions about how they're reacting to things where I wasn't sharing enough. And so it was so much easier to get then trapped in conflict that probably didn't need to happen, quite honestly. That's a really great point. Holter, you asked the question, but I'm kind of curious for you as well. Like, <laughs> how, how often does conflict come up in your friendships? I don't feel like conflict comes up very often in my friendship. And I'm kind of doing some appraising in my head right now if that's because I'm just avoiding it. Most of my friends are kind of like lifelong friends, like people that I've been friends with for like 15, 20, 25 years. And I'm thinking that 
if conflict came up in kind of like a newer friendship, like I don't really, I almost feel like I don't really have time for that. Like I'll just get rid of that friendship. Maybe are there on one of the further out concentric circles. And I don't know. I don't really know what to make of that. If maybe like if either my friend group is healthy or unhealthy, there's not been a lot we have to communicate with each other. A friend texted me the other day and he just said, dude, I need a creative outlet. Do you want to get together and start recording some music or playing music? And I told him, I said, I'm not really interested in recording music right now, but I would be interested in getting together and playing some music. And so that, I don't know, it feels like those types of things are always kind of easy to navigate, to tell somebody, this is what I have time for. This is what I don't have time for. Um, another friend asked me to take a stand-up comedy class with him. And I just told him, I was like, I got a lot going on right now in my life. And it's just not the right season for that for me. And like my wife's pregnant and her pregnancy is hard. And he was just like, that's cool. He's like, you got to give me a rain check on that though, because I really want to do that sometime. Yeah. So it's also making me wonder, like when we were talking about some of the gender differences earlier, like if maybe that's a theme where there is more conflict that could come up in female friendships just because of that tendency that females are more conditioned to be in touch with their more vulnerable emotions. Um, it's actually something that I've heard a lot of women say when they're describing to me, like, I prefer friends with guys. Like, I prefer to have guy friends versus girlfriends. And whenever I ask why, they're like, because girls are so dramatic, you know? And so I, I never like to put anything out as a blanket statement. I'm sure that can happen with guys or that there's girls who are maybe less connected to some of those like more intense emotions that come up within friendship. But it, it, hearing you talk made me think about that. Yeah. Maybe I should speak to one other side of it is I do get my feelings hurt in friendship. And I specifically get my feelings hurt when somebody talks about making a commitment and then does not follow through on that, where it's like, hey, do you want to go to the gym tomorrow? And they're like, even if they're like, yeah, probably. And then they're like, oh, actually, I can't go anymore because we have to do some stuff around the house. I get my feelings hurt about those sorts of things. Do you ever bring that up with your friends? No, I would never talk about that with someone <laughs> and just block them on all avenues of communication. No, I did. I, I, um, um, I did have to bring that up with a friend one time because I felt like he was very protective over his time. And I was just like, it's like, dude, I feel like you're so protective over your time. And then he called me later. I was like, Hey, actually, yeah, let, we should hang out. But years passed, uh, when there was an unhealthier version of Coulter, I would have still said, no, I would have been like, no, punished you them. Didn't. yeah, I would have punished them. Like, I remember doing that to a friend in college where we were going to watch a movie and then he like wanted to go out that night instead. And I was like, that's lame. We made a plan. And then you know, he came to me like 30 minutes later and was like, Hey, do you want to watch that movie? And I was like, no, <laughs> still said no. he was healthy. He was like, okay, no problem. And then like he went out and I was like, sitting there in my room with my arms crossed. Like I have to be alone. Now. All your feelings. <laughs> How many friends do you all have? I don't even know how to answer that. I, I'm like, I. it would take me way too long to try to put a number on it. I have a lot of friends. I mean, I can say like, so I got married a little over two years ago and had nine bridesmaids in my wedding. And, and that was because that was like as much as I could whittle down my very closest friends, like my absolute inner circle people two years ago anyway, were nine. And then I also had some really great friends who weren't in that nine. I feel like I'm 
friends with everybody here at Thrive. Like I consider all of my coworkers friends. I consider all of my husband's friends my friends, even though it's kind of like yeah, other yeah, therapists that I've worked with in the past. Like I, yeah, I couldn't put a number on it. You know, you know what's interesting is some people do have an answer to that question because one of the things we ask on intake with new clients is about social support, and it's always really fascinating to me. Sometimes people will be like, "I have three friends." And, you know, those are deep and close friendships to them, but it's like, they have a very specific answer. It's like, it's these three people and like the four of us hang out together. And that is who I spend my time with. Yeah. I think my husband would be able to answer this question. Like he has a a very specific friend group. And I think I said this in an earlier podcast when I met him, he was like, I am maxed out on how many friends I have capacity for. I'm not looking for new friends. And he has like a really tight knit group that stays connected over time. So yeah, I, I agree. Some people definitely can give a number pretty quickly. Dunbar's number (laughs) is uh, from a a psychologist who is studying relationships. And he has said how the human brain is really equipped to handle about 150 relationships. And I think that he has something on like different layers, doesn't he? Like there's different numbers for each layer of friendship or something. And like 15 is the number that's coming to my head about like the closest friends. There's something about close relationships. There's also, if you have a romantic relationship, he says that costs you two close friends because of the amount of time that you need to put into that intimate relationship. And I think it's like, if you have a kid, like that costs you another too close. I feel like that would cost me, it cost me 20 friends, but the amount of intimacy that you need to put into those relationships keeps you from being able to put that much intentionality into some of your other relationships. Yeah. I mean, that rings very true when I think about my friends and like, even like those concentric circles, that bullseye that Kayla talked about in our boundaries episode, I've definitely had to sort of like move people to outer layers. And it might even be like people who I still have a lot of closeness to as far as like the personal vulnerability I would disclose to them or reach out for support. But we just like can only talk twice a year and it just is what it is. Like we don't have time for more than that. I also think about as a therapist, like we have like what, 50 clients or so that we maintain like very close relationships with that takes a lot of emotional bandwidth to like remember all of the details about their lives and like key in and be really present when we're together. I wonder if our brains kind of expand to be able to handle more just from all that experience. Cause I can think of clients that I saw, like I haven't seen for six years and then they'll come back in and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember like all of this, like I remember your wife's name and I remember where you work and what you were doing. And, and they'll be like, how do you remember all of this? And mm-hmm. yeah, like, I don't know. I feel that same way. And I, I almost surprise myself sometimes with the facts that I remember about my clients. And I think that surprises them too. But as it stands with Dunbar's number, I know it's based on this cognitive limit. Like we're only really should have a certain number of those close relationships to be able to do them well. Um, and and all, that's just the capacity that we have. And so I think that 15 number stands out for me because I think just like you, Lauren, I, I shift people in and out, but I do feel like I have a really big inner... I'm going to say rung or ring again, but circle. Yeah. (laughs) And I wonder how much that has to do with like that capacity for new friends being a therapist. So, you know, as we're talking about, I think for the three of us, maybe being in seasons of life where we're just kind of maxed out on bandwidth, I think it's a relevant question 
how do we let people know when we aren't accepting new friends right now, when we don't have the bandwidth, even if it might be someone who we would otherwise feel really compatible with? This feels so bad for me. (laughs) This feels like such an area that I hate. I hate to have to turn people down, especially because I think about all the compassion and empathy I have when somebody wants to try to get closer to me. And I just know I don't have that bandwidth or space. That makes it such a challenge, I think. And so I don't even have an answer because that makes me feel so bad. Which I think is really honest, Kayla. You know, like I also have really struggled with this. Like I've had friendships that I've had to end because somebody was like really explicitly pursuing wanting more connection. And the more they would pursue it, the more overwhelmed I would feel with like, I just don't have the bandwidth. And it's not because I don't like you or because I don't think you're a cool person. It's just like I have such little time and energy to spread out and so many people that I want to give it to that I I can't even for those people. So So you're making it about you, which I like. Yeah. Yeah. And it still feels hard. Yeah. It just, because it's like, I know it's going to hurt somebody's feelings and that sucks. I hate that. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure I would only not accept a new friend if I didn't like them or didn't think they were cool. Like that's probably why I would I mean, I told you all, like I just met a new friend recently. I think for me, like they have to be doing something that I want to do. Like that's why I spend time with my neighbors. Cause like, we like to go golfing together and like, we're, we play similarly and it, it's fun to do. Or if like, I have friends who are interested in the suns, like, oh, cool. We can go to a suns game together. We can watch the suns. Cause like, those are things I want to be doing. And then I want to be doing them with other people. But I think if I had to tell somebody that I wasn't accepting friends, like I would probably just say, you know, I'm like, Hey, I'm in, I'm in a busy, I'm in a busy season of life. And like, I'm probably not going to have time to get together for dinner for coffee or for whatever, because time is kind of precious right now. And like, if I'm going to take time away, like I probably want to spend that time with like my brother and my sister-in-law or like my parents or just some of, you know, some of my best friends that I haven't even seen in four months. Like, you know, I don't know when the last time the guy who was the best man in my wedding, like we haven't gotten together that recently. And so it's like, if I'm going to take time away, I want to invest it in some of those friendships. Yeah. And I think this is an area that can be such an easy place to be avoidant, right? Because somebody's coming in and I'm feeling flooded as it is. And so I'm kind of like watching myself just want to ghost or shut down, which is certainly not the healthy thing. I'm sure a lot of people probably get into that headspace of just wanting to avoid it when they feel this way. But I love the advice of just being able to own, you know, this is what it's like to be me right now in this season. And I'm so sorry. Like you sound cool in Coulter's language, (laughs) but I don't have space for this. I think if you're in that, here's what I would tell clients. Like if you're in that place of like, I want to make friends and, you know, and somebody else isn't accepting of friends, the thing I would say is like, that's okay. Like you're going to meet some people that are a little more standoffish to you and that we can read social cues. I think most of people have a pretty high ability to read social cues. Like if someone's chatting with us and, you know, we're giving kind of short answers, they're like, oh, this person's maybe, you know, not that interested in talking anymore. Yeah. And I think that maybe for those who have a harder time, like trusting their own instincts about reading social cues, that my hope is that hearing this maybe makes this a little bit more concrete that 
it is helpful to pay attention to those like reciprocity cues. Like is somebody sharing as much about themselves as I'm sharing? Is somebody reaching out to me as much as I'm reaching out to them? When I ask somebody to spend time together and they say no, do they make an effort to circle back or do they just keep saying, sorry, I can't over and over and over again? So I think that those are valid cues that don't necessarily mean that, oh, I'm not likable or this person doesn't think that I'm worthy or cool to be a friend, but it really just could indicate they don't have the same time and energy to give. And maybe also not the the training on how to communicate the boundary there, mm-hmm. right? So it sounds a lot like dating. It is. It is. So I think at this point, that wraps up what we wanted to talk about today. And as a little homework assignment for our listeners, I did find the author of that book, Platonic. Her name is Marissa Franco. And so maybe take that um, into consideration as a way to learn a little bit more. Yeah. Also, there's a TED Talk on Dunbar's number, which I think is pretty interesting information to take in as well. So... All right, ladies, as always, it is a pleasure chatting with you. Next week, we are going to be talking about being relational over being right. And we'll be kind of dissecting what it means to focus on the process of relationship over the content of relationship. This is something that has been coming up a ton, and I'm learning a ton from you about, and it is helping me in my relationships with other people. So until next time. 